This is Solom Literary Press. I'm your host, Riley Bounds, and this is a Solom podcast where we discuss and examine the intersection of the modern renaissances in evangelical literature, philosophy, and spiritual formation. Today, I'm excited to have Solom's newest member, Hannah Thigpen, on the podcast. Hannah Thigpen is graphic designer of Solom Press. She earned a BS in design and a BA in music with an emphasis in piano from Biola University. She is deeply passionate about the arts at large and enjoys any opportunity to explore the overlap between design and music. So Hannah, welcome and thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, well, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, namely how did you come to Christ? Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home uh, both my parents are very strong believers and really um, encouraged us to interact with the Bible and to learn about Jesus. And we went to church regularly. Um, I came to know Christ when I was six, and I've been working with him ever since. I would say that I've taken my faith most seriously as my own since being in college. I never had a huge stretch where I would say I was um, walking away from God or, or testing my faith like that. But when I got into college, um, especially at Biola University, when I was taking all of my Bible classes, it really challenged me to examine my faith and the places where I was just going through the motions, where I had all the head knowledge, but it wasn't making its way down into my heart. So that's when I really started to examine my beliefs and examine whether or not I was living the way I professed to uh, think we ought to live. Mm. So how did you uh, get into graphic design? Not initially by choice. So I came into college as a piano performance major. I've played the piano since I was five. And I had, for the most part, dedicated my whole life to studying music and the piano. But Mm -hmm. my junior year in school, I developed a wrist uh, problem. It's similar to tendonitis. And it just caused so much pain that eventually I couldn't practice enough to be a professional pianist. And so that um, career path was taken away. And the summer between my junior and what would have been my senior year, I was forced to reconsider my career path and choose a new major. I had tried everything I could think of to make adjustments to my piano, my major. I switched from a performance major to a general music degree, but none of it was enough. And I uh, was forced to take time away from piano more time than I could and still stay in the program. So I looked at everything Biola offered and asked myself what I thought that I could do and would be interested in doing and where I thought God might be calling me to go at that point. And I narrowed it down to graphic design. I had a few hobbies that were similar to graphic design in nature. And I thought maybe just maybe with a little bit of training and help, I could turn a hobby into a career. And that's mm. how I ended up where I am. Yeah. Um, so uh, you were you were practicing graphic design as a hobby before this, right? I was. Yes, I was doing things like making my own flyers for events. I made my own uh, recital programs when I was still playing piano. I had a few greeting cards I had great created, and was mm-hmm. interested in doing crafty things like that, but had never considered doing it professionally. Okay. Gotcha. Um, how many years do you think that you practiced graphic design before you kind of uh, went into the degree itself? 
Only a few. I probably started doing things like that in high school. Mm. Um, and as I expanded, I've always been a fairly crafty person, but I started doing more graphics and computer work in high school, trying mm -hmm. to expand um, the ways in which that I could explore that creative outlet. Um, now, this is kind of an offhand question, but um, do you remember like what your starting equipment was like what it, like uh, did you have some kind of tablet that you use like an iPad or something? I did it all for the most part on my computer. Uh, I had a Mac and I did a lot of things in pages. I used oh. pages probably in ways that they didn't intend that program to be used. I didn't actually get any of the Adobe products. I didn't have Photoshop or anything until I actually got into the major in school. So I was using programs in ways that they might not have been intended for, but hey, it looked cool. <laughs> That's creativity right there. When you can take when you can take something that it wasn't intended for and make it into something. I'm just so glad exactly. you didn't say word. I hate word. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just the bane of my existence. Um, it, well, it must have been pretty devastating to get near the, uh, the end of your degree and you know, then have to course correct so hard. Um, do you think you were angry with God about it? I was. I was very angry. I didn't understand why God had given me something that I loved, something that I had uh, really worked hard to become very good at, mm -hmm. something that I had dedicated my life to, and it was being torn away. Um, yeah. I had had points in my life where I had asked myself, is this really the direction I'm supposed to be heading in? But I'd always come back to the same question of, well, what else would I do? And I never mm -hmm. had an answer for that. I had never been able to think of anything else that I loved as much, anything else that I thought I was as good at. Um, and I, I did truly love music. I love to talk about music and teach others about music and, and spread that joy. So it was incredibly devastating. And I was so close to the end. So close. Mm -hmm. I was actually actively mm -hmm. preparing for my junior recital. The repertoire that I was working on was for a recital that I never got to deliver. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very angry. I didn't understand. I didn't see the way forward. And it really tested my ability to trust God and trust that if this is the path that he's asking me to walk down, that there's something good that's going to come along because all I could see was what I was losing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I focused for a long time. And I was quite frankly, very miserable because all I could see was the loss to the point of almost refusing to see the potential gains because I was so angry. Mm -hmm. um, and it really took me hitting rock bottom. I spent an entire academic year, my entire junior year, trying to find ways to salvage music, like switching the nature of my degree, taking short stretches off so that I could come back and play again. And it mm -hmm. took me hitting rock bottom to even admit out loud, I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't until I hit that point that I started um, trusting God and going, okay, yeah. well, if I can't answer the question of what else, you must have an answer for it. So let me try and look and see where it goes. Yeah. Hmm. So I think a lot of us, we feel like our careers are basically our identities, um, if not just a large part then. Um, did you feel like your identity rested in your musical abilities back then and still do? Absolutely. It was 
my identity was so tangled up in being not only a pianist and a musician, but a performance major. Mm. That element of performance really was tied um, up in my identity. I got a lot of pleasure in being a performance major and being a performing pianist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll admit I liked the attention and I liked the reactions when you tell people that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really had tied up who I was in being a pianist at the time. All my friends knew that I played piano and Mm -hmm. um, they would, you know, come see my concerts. And it was something that was special and unique about me, especially um, outside of school, but back home in my church and things. It was among my friends, something unique about me. And I I did relish that. Mm -hmm. And when I was forced to give it up, I struggled a lot of you know, rebuilding myself. And I realized that it was unhealthy, the degree to which I was my piano and that performance and all of that, how much I needed it and craved it and wanted it. Hmm. So did you find anything out about yourself uh, or God during the time you dealt with your injury? I definitely saw again and it's been a theme that's shown up throughout my life of not trusting in times of change I've balked and screamed and um, pitched a fit at almost every junction (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it really did throw uh, it kind of in my face that I was not trusting God and I was uh, trying to force my life to work out the way that I wanted it to and it was all about me Um, it was all about what I wanted to do, what I saw my life panning out as, and, and it was all focused on me. It wasn't focused on God. It wasn't, um, it was becoming even unfocused on how can I use this to glorify God? It was the more I lost, the more I tried to tighten my grip on it. And it Mm. really was becoming more about me and what I wanted and what my identity was in it and not wanting to lose that part of myself and and give it up. Right. Um, You know, I I think a lot of Christians will say like, like I I was thinking of myself and not, and not of God. And it's kind of like this show, this uh, self chastising thing. Um, it's, it's almost like a piety Olympics, you know, k- kind of thing. Like I'm more pious than you. Um, but uh, I, I think that like the reason that we, that we kind of do that or we should do that is because God has our best interests in mind. You know, he wants us to flourish um, and reliance on him is the best way to flourish. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I admire that you, are like willing to step back and say like, maybe I'm wrong. God does know better. You know, he, know, he knows way, he knows way more than us and we should, um, we should be okay, you know, with uh, not knowing where our lives are going. So, yes. It really um, did show me the need to be much more present in the moment and present in looking to how I can be most faithful with what I've been given that's directly in front of me. I've been placed in this moment to be a graphic designer. For all I know, in five to 10 years, God will want me to do something else. 
And right now I need to be faithful and do my best and give it my all Mm -hmm. and enjoy it because I don't know how long I'll get to keep it. And for all I know, it'll go away for a season and then come back. That's something I hope will happen with my music that I had to give it up for a season. And I do hope one day to recover it enough that I can enjoy it. But Mm. it really um, has taught me that I need to be faithful in the moment with what God has given me to do now and be okay if that changes. Yeah. Um, Well, that kind of leads into the next question. Um, And you, you partially answered it. Like uh, you think that graphic designers are calling for now. Um, but do you think to that end, even the language of calling, you know, in, in terms of like career or whatever it is that you do professionally, do you think that that's even helpful? I think it is so long as like we were talking earlier about identity, as long as our identity stays rooted in being an image bearer of God then I think, yes, it is my calling. It is what God is asking me to do right now. And I do think honestly that I was being called to be a musician in the earlier period of my life. And there were many benefits, things that I learned, Mm -hmm. people that I met, even the fact that through music scholarships that helped pay for my college career. So there were all sorts of aspects that I do believe I was being faithful to what I was being called to. But I think we get trapped sometimes in making it permanent, in making those callings and our current vocations the be all end all. And they can't change. And if they do change, well, then there's something wrong. Either I messed up. And I I screwed it up. So now I've got to change and go to something else or I was wrong to begin with. And sure, sometimes that can be wrong. We can head off in one direction when God is saying, no, I want you to go in this direction. And, you know, we come to a breaking point and we realize that. But I do believe that there we are called to things oftentimes for seasons. Um, So I don't regret my time as a music major. Um, And I am actually very happy now as a graphic designer and the more I struggled with piano and the harder I tried to hold on to it, the more unhappy I became. And mm. the, I was almost coming to hate music. And that was one of the reasons I saw to get out of it because it was becoming something that was so painful, so frustrating. It had lost its joy because I was gripping onto it too tightly and not realizing that I was being called to move in a different direction. But I would definitely say that graphic design is my current calling. Hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds like um, graphic design was kind of an answer to that um, that void left after uh, after music kind of lost its luster, you know, to you yes. during your injury. Um, so, would you say that you've you've pretty much made peace with uh, your transition, or is there still kind of some ache there? I would say that for the most part, yes, I have made peace, but there are certain areas that do still have that ache. Um, I still uh, mourn the fact that I never did get to have a recital. I never did get that junior or that senior recital. Um, It's something that, especially in the performance track, we really look forward to. We work very hard towards, and it is. an accomplishment that we celebrate together as a group as uh, people progress through those levels and get to share 
I mean, music isn't meant to be done in isolation. It is meant to be shared. So that's mm. part of why we look forward to um, being able to have those recitals to share what we've been working on in our, you know, little practice rooms for hours on end. We want to, yeah. you know, share it with people. So I definitely mourn the loss of that. One of the biggest things that I've struggled with and still struggle with is the fact that most of my friends now have no concept of me as a musician. They've never, mm. they didn't know me when I was a musician. They were never able to come to one of the concerts that I was a part of. So that whole part of myself and part of my life doesn't exist in a lot of the relationships that I have with my closest friends now. So that is definitely something that is um, a struggle for me. And it is something that I struggle to let go of. I still put music forward because I'm very proud of it. It does still um, in my mind remain as a large part of who I am, my love for music and, mm -hmm. and the skill that God has given me to be able to play the piano and understand music and comprehend right. it in that way. So it is something that I still wrestle with of how much can I claim being a musician as a part of my identity? It's mm -hmm. obviously not the largest part anymore, but they don't see me as a musician. They don't understand. Um, they weren't a part of the 15 to 20 years that I spent dedicated to music. So that's probably the biggest place where that, um, causes friction is in my relationships and with the people who mean the most to me that's not right. a part of the me that they know yeah that that is very very tough um i, I did want to ask um and this is offhand and if it's too personal then you know feel free to just disregard it um when this when your piano um lessons and all that they started was this kind of something that you really wanted to do or was it something that your parents kind of wanted you to, to look into? I think it started as something that my parents wanted me to do. They thought that it was important for uh, me and, and my sister to have contact with all different avenues so that we could explore and that we would have the chance to try something and really latch on to it and flourish in that area. So it definitely started as something that they didn't necessarily care if it took off and flourished into something that I loved, but they thought it was important for us to be exposed to it. And then it was something that um, I clearly had been gifted in and it was something that I really loved and came to appreciate even more as mm -hmm. I continued on with it. So um it quickly became mine, but it did start out as something okay. that they instigated. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's good that it became, it became yours. You know, a lot of parents, like they'll force their kids into something and they'll become mm -hmm. very good at it uh, from an early age, but they hate it, you know, and they hate it because it's not theirs. Um, yes. I've like, known a yeah. lot of people who've said that, who have like, oh, my parents made me. I've known a lot of adults who have remarked to me, oh, I hated that my parents made me do this. And right. now I wish that I had stuck with it. And it's that pressure of doing it that sucks the life out of it. But I'm very grateful that it, it was something that I did yeah. love and I, it became something I wanted to do. Right. Another thing that you said that really stuck out to me um, was that music is communal. 
um, is something to be shared. Um, and do you think that graphic design is communal too, or is it more just something that you kind of do solo? I think it is very communal because graphic design is at its core visual communication. And the point of communicating is to share something between people. So it definitely, you can create it in isolation and you can create it like any artistic practice to express something in yourself to help you visualize something um, that you're trying to process through. So it definitely does have some applications, but music in the same way I can play for myself. If I am in a sad mood, I can go play um, sad music. And if I'm in a happy mood, I can go play happy music. And mm -hmm. if I just want to relax, I can just go play one of my favorite pieces. So it definitely can be for me, but it's, um, most inherent purpose is to be shared. And I think graphic design is the same way that it is most inherently meant to be shared. It's meant to be an interaction between the person providing the content and the person they're trying to communicate that content to. Mm -hmm. Do you think that piano still plays a large role in your life or has that kind of uh, taken a back seat as your career shifted? It's definitely taken a back seat. I really miss it. And I wish that it still held a large part of my life. It's something that I hope to recover and I want to uh, work on again, but it mm -hmm. definitely, I don't play regularly anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't play for people. Um, so it definitely is not a large part anymore. Music is. I still enjoy music. I love to listen. I love to read and learn about it. I love to share it. Um, but it, it doesn't get shared in the same way because now I'm not playing much anymore. And there's yeah. a lot of fear and trepidation built up in my mind towards the piano because when I was playing last and, and tried to play again, you know, months later after I had functionally quit, it still caused a lot of pain and a lot of frustration. Yeah. And uh, with the nature of my injury, once the pain has been caused, the only way that I can get rid of it is to cut out all of the things that are triggering it, which includes piano. So mm. there's definitely a lot of trepidation. And the last few times I have played, I've noticed that I've lost a lot because piano requires a lot of practice to maintain those skills. So yeah. it, going back to it will require a lot of patience and a lot of perseverance, but that is, um, that is a mountain I want to climb eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is extremely hard um, to like build up a skill over years. And then, you know, you come back to it later and uh, some of it's gone. Um, but it seems like that's a, that's a pretty big part of you, you know, and I, I, I bet that, you know, once that injury kind of gets under control, I, I bet it'll, come back very quickly um well just out of curiosity then um who are your favorite pianists and composers oh it's a wonderful question so hard to answer so some of my favorite uh pianists would be uh, Menachem Pressler who is one of if not the greatest living pianists in the world uh, an amazing uh person and, and his personal story is incredible um mm -hmm. And he was actually my professor's professor 
um, my instructor at Biola, Miss um, Manami Kamara, who is a phenomenal pianist in her own right, studied from him. Um, he is just amazing. His ability to sing through the notes is, is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Some of my favorite composers would be um, Beethoven, definitely. Uh, Brahms as well and DBC those are probably my three top composers that I love at least today (laughs) were you ever a big fan of Tchaikovsky I do love Tchaikovsky not quite as much as some of the other composers my favorites um my favorites tend to be the Austro-German uh romantic composers um and then DBC I love the French Impressionists oh cool so do you think that uh, piano or some of your favorite musicians, do you think that they've influenced your visual approach to graphic design? What a great question. I would say yes, probably. Um, piano definitely has influenced the way that I approach design, for sure, um, in my attention to detail and even mm-hmm. kind of the work ethic that being a musician Uh, requires definitely translates well into being a graphic designer and I do definitely employ the same technique so when you're looking at music and working on it sometimes you need to zoom in and fix this one note that one Mm -hmm. note in that one phrase needs to be tweaked just a little bit to make it right but then if you get stuck in that measure with that one note in that one phrase then you can lose sight of where you're coming in from and where you need to exit to go out to. So you definitely have to be able to come in and come out of the pieces um, of the music to be able to make the whole work. And that's something that really translates into how I work on my designs that I do craft each piece of it, each little note of my graphic composition needs to be perfect, needs to be just right. But if all I'm looking at are the little pieces, I lose sight of the whole and it becomes a collection of really nicely crafted pieces that don't work together. And so that ability to both uh, tweak the minutia and pull out and look at the whole and make sure that the composition in its entirety flows well from beginning to end. That's mm-hmm. probably the biggest uh, way in which I see those two uh, coming together. Right. Awesome. Um, well, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about your approach to graphic design as a whole? Yeah. So I tend to be, I'm not a minimalist, but I do definitely subscribe to a less is more philosophy. Okay. I don't like to pack a page and leave it kind of cluttered and chaotic and there are places for ordered chaos but I tend towards a kind of cleaner aesthetic that relies uh, heavily on subtlety Mm -hmm. sometimes even subtle to the degree of you're not going to notice it unless I point it out but it's there and it somehow almost subconsciously adds to the whole So that's how I think about my designs. That's how I try to craft my designs. And that starts with brainstorming about what the whole is and then 
breaking it down into its parts and, and whether that's sketching a whole bunch of things or word mapping to try and get myself outside of the first five things that come to your mind, mm. trying to get to those other ideas that'll spark other ideas that lead to something really unique and really creative. Um, and then pulling from those, the best ideas and figuring out how to mesh them into a cohesive whole that will communicate what I'm trying to get across. That's how I generally approach it. Right. Um, so visual communication, that's, that's pretty big for you in graphic design, right? It is, yes, because that is the fundamental point. Graphic design is the combination of uh, images and words to communicate. So mm. if I'm not communicating the content well, if I'm not communicating the, the feeling well, is this a happy something? Is this a mysterious something that needs to come across in the very aesthetic of what I'm setting in front of you? Mm. But none of the design can get in the way of the content. If you can't get to the content because my design is too intrusive, whether it's too loud and it's distracting you and, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. It's fine until you don't actually get to what's underneath it. So there is a balance between being um, visually interesting and being a little too interesting to where I've actually clouded the content that I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a balancing act, definitely. Um, it's kind of like the debate in, uh, in prose writing, you know, should you stick with pretty sentences or should you just focus exclusively on, on story and just kind of set the nice words to the side, you know? Um, exactly yes because if it's not visually interesting people don't want to pay attention to it they don't want to yeah. interact with it and we are becoming an increasingly visual society so there is a very big need for it to be eye-catching for it to be interesting and we we like pretty things we like things that are aesthetically pleasing but that can't come at the cost of not being able to actually understand and communicate, persuade if that's the point of the content. So mm -hmm. it, it definitely is a balancing act, but I think that they're both two necessary sides uh, that should and can work in tandem. Right. Well, I ask all my artists that come on the podcast this, um, whether it's poetry or fiction or whatever, um, why should people care about their fields? So in your case, why should people care about uh, graphic design? I think that ties to what I just mentioned in that we are an increasingly visual society, one. And two, the fact that graphic design is communication. As we're in community, Communication is a large part of that and the need to communicate well and clearly and respectfully is such, um, it's so important. And because graphic design is so prevalent in that things are being communicated visually, we should care about how they're being communicated and that they're being communicated well. And I think sometimes when graphic design is being done well, you don't almost think about it because you go straight to the content. And so it is one of those things that is uniquely invisible when done well. 
which is something that really fascinates me about the field of graphic design, especially if I'm handling a book cover. I want you to read the title and want to read the back blurb. And after you've read the back blurb, I want you to read the first chapter and then read more. I don't necessarily want you to stop and think, oh, what a beautiful cover, and then put it back on the shelf. That's not the point. I want it to be well-crafted and I want it to be beautiful. But if that's all that you see, you're never going to read the book. So I think we really need to care about graphic design being done well because communication is just so fundamentally important to society that it needs to be cared about and it needs to be done well in a way that facilitates conversation, that facilitates relationships, that facilitates community. Yeah, that that was excellent. Um, I, I really love what you said about the uniquely invisible aspect to it. Because it's, it's, you know, I mean, at first glance, it's visual art, you know, of course, you want people to see it. But I mean, you're obviously, but I mean, the goal here is not just to like craft a nice, you know, a picture as, as many as it's just supposed to like lead you into whatever you're, you're advertising. Um, so that, that's, that's really great. Um, so do you think that, um, well, do you think of graphic, des- graphic design as art that translates into a career? or as a career that happens to use art, or, you know, you could say it um, like this, is there, is it an artistic journey for you that happens to work well as a career or vice versa? I think it's probably somewhere in between. It is a very artistic practice. It is a very um, artistic journey. And you have to have that foundation in the arts and how how do you create? How do you create well? And even in the studio art practices, you are trying to translate your ideas, your concepts, the things that interest you into um, a visual uh, mode of communication. But it is very commercial. It is definitely a a service industry. It is um, a sort of a commercial career. I am providing you a service that is helping your business, your endeavors to flourish better. So it is certainly um, does have that aspect of being very businesslike um, that happens to deal with art. Um, But if you lose the art side, that's where you run into bad design. And that is one struggle that um, I think some individuals and even some businesses don't quite realize with the prevalence of things like the Adobe products, anybody can access them. They're not just there for um, designers and artists, anyone can use them. Even I used Mm -hmm. to use pages to create things. So people do have ready access to the tools. So I think sometimes it is, taken for granted a little bit how much um how much work it takes to do it well and how much of a difference doing it well can make mm-hmm. well do you think that um the church really knows how to use your talents uh and if not you know are there ways that they can encourage you in your artistic or career journey I think, I think that it's twofold. Within the church, I would say that it is sometimes unclear how to use it because the church doesn't want to be 
um, too showy, too performance, too overly concerned about the aesthetics because that's, that's not what we're here for. But like I was saying earlier, if you do it well, it just helps the content flourish. It helps it be more accessible. It helps you interact with it better. So I do think that there is a degree to which sometimes um, the church doesn't know how to use it because it is pushed to the side a little bit. Um, some cases too much, some cases it's fine and it, it could be used more, but that's not the purpose. So it, it's fine. Within the, you know, this is my vocation, this is my calling side of that equation. I think definitely encouraging, because it is so commercial, it's not just an artistic practice, encouraging you to be a good business person, to focus on how you're dealing with your clients, how you're interacting with your employers well and in a way that is Christ-like, like you would do with entrepreneurs and business owners and people who are working in, you know, a traditional office setting. I think mm -hmm. sometimes you, it gets seen a little bit too much as the artistic practice. And then you run into the debate of, well, if I'm a Christian artist, can I only be a Christian artist if I'm making art about Christ? If, you know, do I have to have the cross in everything that I create? Should I only be working for Zondervan and Crossway and, and, yeah people who show up in the Lifeway stores are, can I work for a mainstream publisher and, and do sci-fi novels and, and things like that? But like I was saying earlier, it is very commercial. So I am providing a service and that means that I am going to be providing it outside of a purely Christian context. So talking about how do you do business as a Christian I think is a conversation that needs to be had around graphic design. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that because business people are pretty, you know, commonplace in the church, like they, they know what to do more with them than they do like artists. Um, mm, and you have the sure. unique uh, problem of being both. Um, <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't really like, I don't hold it against, you know, the church or, you know, people in general, like artists are just kind of the odd man out, you know, because there's just so, there's so few of us. Um, yes. So, but it's also like, well, it, it, I mean, the purpose of the church is, is ministry to the people in the church, mm -hmm. um, you know, feeding, feeding them, uh, feeding the flock. So it is like, it, it is incumbent upon them to like, really sort out okay how do we foster community with artists how do we really nourish them you know spiritually so um are, are there any are there any practical ways you could you could think of to, in order to do that like what would really touch you you know i think being able to use what i've learned my skills my talents within the church and also use that as a gateway to having those conversations of what are you actually doing? Um, what does it look like for you? What are the struggles that you're running into? What are the debates that you're having? Um, and have those conversations more openly so that you can get that, um, that both the guidance and the support and the nourishment, um, but also being able to have, um, 
an outlet to be able to use it for, you know, an event that we have. I would love to make the flyers for that and be able to give back to the church in that way. And, and that is a difficult line. It's a difficult tension between not wanting to be showy. So sometimes you downplay things like the visuals, like art in, in church contexts, and, and sometimes uh, you overemphasize them because, you know, it's becomes too much about show and, and too much about drawing people in for the flashy visuals um, to the compromise of the message itself. So being able to be a part of that conversation and being able to um, use what God has given me to bless the church and to be a part of the church's ministry and also be a part of the conversation to be able to say, I think this is going a little overboard. I think that we need to re-examine, you know, the weight that we're putting into this so that we can together find that balance. Because I do straddle the line between the artist and the business person. And, mm-hmm. um, but it is also um, my life. It is the world that I'm living in. So would love yeah. to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, you know, um, I think I think a good example of where it was done well, um, where the church minister to an artist was uh, we had Bethany Brinken on one of the podcasts before this, and um, she is a poet. Uh, and the church asked her, her church asked her to write a poem for one of their services and then read it aloud, um, which, which is, that's perfect. I mean, that, that, that's exactly, you know, what we want. That, that's how we can implement our skills and use them to help the body of Christ. Um, whereas, you know, most of... <laughs> Most artists, you know, like they're like, okay, I got a degree in writing or, you know, uh, uh, drawing or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that? You know, and it's like, that's immensely unhelpful. Um, <laughs> yes. So, do you think that graphic design is an essential part of business? Like, could business operate without, without graphic design in this day and age? No. I don't think that it could. I think it is a very essential part of business because almost, I cannot think of a single business that doesn't have some aspect of graphic design to it because Mm -hmm. most businesses have a logo. They have their branding boards that help them create consistency with the things that they present, the things that they create. They've got marketing materials, whether that is an Instagram page that's creating social posts that have visuals with them, or if they're making flyers that they're handing out, menus in a restaurant, even all of that is graphic design. Mm -hmm. Advertisements on billboards that you drive past, those are graphic design. There's even graphic design in video elements that you make, and, and that branches over a little bit more into other fields, but a lot of them cross over into graphic design if they're not wholly um, graphic in nature. So I cannot see a way, especially in how visual today's age is, functioning without it, no. Do you think, I mean, when you like, when you reflect on what you're doing, do you really see yourself as part of advertising? Not what, that's a good question. No, in that I'm not doing a lot of traditional advertising. I'm not really in marketing. And yet, at the same time, I do make posters for people. I do make flyers for people. So I'm not 
fully in the advertising world, but yes, I do regularly come into contact with it. So it is in one of the facets of graphic design that is most inescapable, (laughs) even if it's not the core of what you do. So book design is the core of what I'm doing right now. But even for the mainstream publisher that I'm working for, I made um, a floor banner for an event that they were going to. That's part of advertising. It's part of marketing. So um, you know, in the sense that it's not the core of what I do. And yet, yes, because I'm regularly interacting with it. And I mean, even the cover of a book is an advertisement for what's inside. Exactly. Kind of the trailer for it, in a sense. So um, I guess that depends on the way that you look at it. Right, right, yeah. Are, th- are there any uh, aesthetic principles or techniques that you regularly incorporate into your work? Um, definitely the less is more principle that I was talking about earlier, um, where there needs to be enough that makes you really interested, but not so much that you want to walk away from it because it's overwhelming. And that tension is something that I'm really conscious of, very aware about. Um, And I also tend to think a little bit more classically. I like clean lines, elegant Mm -hmm. figures. Um, But graphic design is also really challenging in that Every client, every business, every book needs something slightly different. And what can work best for your book or so-and-so's business may not be what I prefer. And because I'm not a studio artist, just making you know, things that are um, interesting to me and um, in line with my aesthetics, you do have to be very flexible as a graphic designer to be able to say, okay, this may not be my favorite, but I know that it works well for this. Right. I know that this is the right thing to promote this, to communicate what is here, even if it's not my personal preference. So there is a real challenge in graphic design to be able to set yourself aside and do what is best for this client, this project that you're holding, even if it's not what I would personally prefer to do right yeah i i like that you're not a minimalist actually um because that is uh kind of the order of the day and has been for a couple decades it seems um like i don't i don't know how much simpler logos can can get at at this (laughs) point um so it's nice that you know you're you're not like katie evanson is our visual uh a visual art editor and she's also not not a minimalist you know, she likes color, uh, which is uh, surprising that we've, we've gone so far as to like leave out color and stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that's really wonderful that you're, you're not just like going with the tide, you know, you, you have your own cultivated sense of aesthetic. So um, speaking of that, do you have a particular like quote unquote style that you, that you've cultivated that you kind of adhere to? I tend to describe myself, my style rather, as being plain, clear, and elegant. And that's what I really strive for in my designs. I want it to be streamlined. I want it to be just 
laced with subtlety. All mm. the little things that I can put in, the more laden with subtlety, the better it is for me, in my opinion. Um, but I, I want it to be very crisp, very clear, very approachable um, and nuanced in that way. And I think possibly coming out of my music career, I like elegance. I like lyricism. Uh, I like a flow to what I do that it all just works together in, in tandem and concert. Um, so I think that definitely my years in music influenced my own visual aesthetic probably um, in, in what I prefer and what I try to create. Yeah. Um, so did your, like, you were primarily a performance oriented musician. Um, do you see that, do you see your graphic design career as a performance art in a way? In a way, not in the way that we would typically use the term performance art, um, but it is it is on display. It is mm -hmm. uh, book covers are meant to be seen, meant to be um, read. So it is definitely um, uh, like we were saying, it, it's not meant to be just done just for me and then set aside. So it is in that way, definitely. Um, a, a kind of performance because I am I'm crafting it and then sending it out there for people to yeah. see and interact and judge potentially and, and hopefully love. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting that like, um, you know, you said that like you weren't, you were more perf uh, performance oriented instead of like creative uh, during your musician career. Uh, but it's interesting now that like, it's kind of doubled back and it's like, now you are creative, you know, like you are, you are having to send that out into the world. So um, it, it seems like that part of you is still being fed through a different avenue. So, yes. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, this, this is kind of a thorny question. I hope that you'll, you know, bear with me, but uh, you, might step on, you might step on toes and it's okay if you do. Um, is there a right or wrong way to do graphic design? That is a good question. No, but. No, I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do graphic design. I do think that there is probably a better and a worse way to do graphic design. Um, in that, I think that um, instances where, um, like I was mentioning, where I need to get out of the way and I need to do what's best for this project, I do think that, you know, where as much as this is my art, this is my service. So um, in that way, if you lose one side of it, because graphic design is this balance between the art and the service. And if you lose that balance in either direction, if it's too much of a service, then it's gonna be less creative. It's going to be less unique. And we do want things that are unique and memorable in that way. and. Um, but if you swing too far towards this is my precious art child that I'm crafting and um, how dare you tell me that you want something different. I am creating something for you for my clients. Yeah. So um, 
there are, you know, in that way, there are some better and worse practices and ways of approaching it. Um, and I do think that there is bad design out there. I do think that there are, um, uh, whether or not they're poorly created is I think a different debate, but there are definitely things that don't work. Um, mm. Things that don't communicate effectively. Um, so in, in that way, either that it was poorly created to begin with or that um, it was not properly assessed for um, what it was created for so that it, you, know, you don't quite realize that, oh, this isn't working and we need to redo yeah. it. So I think there is better and worse design and better and worse ways of approaching design, but I don't know that there's necessarily a right or a wrong way. I think it's more about where you end up than how you get there. Yeah, it sounds like graphic design that fails kind of starts out with the wrong um, idea of what the task is, you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I really do like what you said about the art and service. You know, it's, it's art and service of, of somebody. You know, it's yes. not just like art for art's sake. And Well, I mean, in a way, you know. Um, so in writing, there's kind of this pressure to get an MFA to say like, then you're a writer, you know, um, which is a master of fine arts. Should people who want to go and get, who want to get into graphic design, should they go and get a degree in it? I think that it is wise to go get a degree in it. And it definitely does help. It takes more work, I think, to get up and running uh, in a graphic design career when you don't have a degree. It takes a much bigger portfolio if you're mm -hmm. just trying to get into the field based on your skill and your work, I think it is doable. And I, and I think that there are plenty of people who um, can do it and, and maybe even should do it that way. But I think it is really wise um, to get a degree. And I think it is very unwise to dismiss it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it is easy because, oh, it's just an art career. You just need some pieces in your portfolio and, and, you know, take a couple of online how-to uh, classes and, and you're good to go and you just have to make and, and practice and do. Yeah. There's a lot to graphic design and art in general that I didn't even think about before I got into school. And school is such an amazing time to be able to collaborate, be able to expose to the people who have different aesthetics from me. And while I may never adopt that aesthetic, to be exposed to it, to be challenged to see the piece from their perspective may inspire a new perspective that I can translate through my own aesthetic. So right. um, to be able to collaborate, to be able to critique, to be able to learn how to critique constructively both other people's work and your own and to learn how to take critique. All of the mm -hmm. art fields, and this is something that I really had to learn in the music field, it is, a, it is not a critique of my person. That's very hard in performance fields, in music, in art, in some in fields that are, it's so personal. You have to learn how to create a kind of professional distance from you and what you make because you need constructive criticism. I need people to look at it with fresh eyes that haven't been spending two weeks staring at the same one by one inch square on this poster. Mm. I need that external feedback, even if I don't implement exactly what you say, it may spark the solution I've been looking for. 
and all of that interaction and, and that ability to um, learn how to accept, learn how to, you know, give that constructive feedback to someone else to self-criticize um, in a way that allows you to grow and to be exposed to the resources that you need um, to be able to flourish um, as best you can. You don't get any of that if you don't go through getting a degree. And it is honestly a leg up to have that degree on your resume, to have when you're starting out the class projects, the um, exposure to, okay, this one aspect of design, maybe not what I want to build my career around, but it is beneficial to know how to do it so that when that client comes and asks, hey, can you do that? Yes. Why? Well, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I definitely would encourage people to get degrees, get liberal arts degrees. I think having exposure to more than just your field, more than just your interests is incredibly beneficial to becoming a well-rounded person. And all of that starts with going to school. Um, yeah. But I would nuance that with saying, I don't think school is for everyone. I'm, I'm definitely not someone who says, oh, you have to go to college. I do believe that there are some people who that is not. Uh, for them so if they can make it uh, by just you know uh, innate skill and, and learning through other means then by all means go for it but I think in general I would encourage people to uh, get their degrees I think it is just so beneficial in so many different ways both personally and professionally right um yeah you know I guess it does kind of, kind of come down to the person that you are and how you, how you work. Um, that's also contingent on whether you know yourself very well or not. Um, I know when I went to college, I was, I was 18 and 18 year olds don't know anything. Um, about no, anything. Don't. <laughs> um, and that, that's absolutely fine. And I, you know, honestly, I think most people need to like wait a few years before they even do anything after high school, you know, whether it's Votech or whether it's college. Um, but uh, school, it, it, it does two things. It's very systematic and it's in the, what it teaches you. So you're not just taking all these bits of atomized knowledge and then like putting them together and hoping that it works. Um, and it also helps to like show you exactly who you are. It, it, show, it helps you mature. Um, and if you get in there and you realize, hey, I'm not very good at reading or uh, I'm not very disciplined in what I do, then it can help you be disciplined and, you know, know yourself better um, if you allow it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a benefit of like creative programs. Um, exactly. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you tell us a bit about your creative process? Uh, namely, um, is there, is there a creative process? There's a, there's a creative framework that we start from. <laughs> um, it definitely changes. Uh, project to project, but um, it definitely starts with an ideation process. So trying to find those other ways of thinking about something. I really do try to find, um, okay, here's the first five things that come to my mind and they come to everybody's mind when I think about this. Is there a more unique perspective that will generate something that is really interesting and highly communicative. That's that's the goal is to find that unique piece that is so perfect, but is not what you would have thought of. And there's nothing wrong with going with the obvious and doing it really well, but you, 
I think for me personally, I, I try to take the time to explore to see if there are those other avenues. Um, and sometimes that is doing a word map to try and find other descriptors that aren't readily there. Um, it also comes through um, searching for images that are, will spark ideas. Um, and there's also a lot of research that goes into it. So if I'm designing a book, I wanna look at other books in that genre to figure out what, um, what parts of that design do I wanna adhere to and which ones am I fine breaking with? Um, because you definitely want to respect the context that you're in, but if you're bound by it, then the things that you create may not be as interesting as they could be. But doing your due diligence, doing your research and finding things that will inspire you is definitely a big part of it. And then making sketches, throwing out ideas, kind of spitballing. If you don't let yourself get out all the bad ideas, you can't get to the good ideas. Uh, you really do have to be willing to completely and utterly fail to be able to find the diamond in the rough that you can polish into something great. So it definitely takes a lot of um, sketching, whether it's just a short description of what this might look like, what the theme might be, or all the way up to a full-fledged sketch that is in color and really detailed. Um, it can be anywhere in between there. Then I tend to get feedback. I am really big about a collaborative process, whether that means going to a family member and going, okay, how hideous is this? To going to my boss and going, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. Uh, which direction do you think would be best? Here's my opinion and let's work on this together. Um, I really do value a collaborative creative process. Uh, one of my professors used to say, we're smarter together. And I really do believe that. I really do believe that we are smarter together. Um, so that is a huge part of my own creative process is having that second look, that outside opinion on it. And once you're done with getting all of your ideas out and your sketches done, then you pick one or two to refine. And you take those to a semi-finished stage where you can really see how it's shaping up. And sometimes you find that there are really big faults and this isn't gonna be able to come to fruition. You're not gonna be able to finish it because it has some catastrophic major uh, flaw in it that isn't gonna actually pan out. Or you find, oh, hey, if I combine these two ideas, I can do this and this works really well. So, um, but you won't find that if you just leave it in the sketch stage. So you, you try to land on the best couple ideas and take them further. And then you uh, pick the one you want to go with and continue to refine it. Mm. Uh, what's your setup like? Um, I mean, do, what 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 like tools do you use? Um, I mean, do you have like a huge monitor um, or like a, a specific tablet that you use? Or yeah. Um, one of the biggest tools that I use is I do have an iPad and an Apple Pen, so I mm -hmm. do love to be able to work um, on my iPad. Um, undo button is fantastic. It's one of my favorite tools. Um, uh, Procreate is a fantastic uh, mobile app that uh, allows you to paint and draw and digitally create. I use that for a lot of my artwork that I use. Um, and then I work mostly in the Adobe suite. 
um, in InDesign, Illustrator, and Photoshop um, on my MacBook. I don't have a monitor yet, but I am coming to realize I really do need one. So that's that's on my Christmas list coming up. Yeah, yeah. Now, most of the most of the visual artists that I talk to, like, you know, they're they're like, I use Adobe, but I hate Adobe. Um, <laughs> Like they're, they're like, they nickel and dime you to death. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of like, I, I use it because I have to. Do you feel the same way or like, have you not really gotten there yet? I do actually really like Adobe. Um, I have, I have not gotten to any kind of love-hate relationship yet. Um, I definitely have the programs I like better, but they're the ones that I know better. So um, I tend to have more disagreements with Illustrator than I do with InDesign. Um, but I, I do love the programs. I think they work really, really well. Um, and I'm pleased so far. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just offhand, uh, what tools, uh, would you recommend to beginners if they really wanted to start like tinkering around with graphic design? I, I would recommend the Adobe Suite. It is, uh, on the expensive side. So that is definitely a commitment. Um, but there are fantastic tutorials that you can find. Um, LinkedIn Learning has wonderful tutorials that we actually used in school as um, part of a way to learn those programs um, so that you can effectively self-teach um, how to use those programs. And they are, they can be overwhelming. There are lots of buttons and lots of settings. So it is worth going through some tutorials and how-tos and beginner basics. Otherwise, it's very easy to get completely overwhelmed and then um, not be able to utilize them well. But um, they are, if you understand how they work, it's easy to use them all. They all work closely enough that skills in one can translate into the other for sure. Okay. Um, do you wait on inspiration for your designs or... <laughs> Or to you, like work even when you're not inspired? And I can tell that this is a complicated question. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the most common misperceptions, even within like the field. And it's one thing that they challenged us on when we were in school is that you can't wait for inspiration. If you're just sitting there waiting for the final best idea to pop into your mind, you are never going to succeed as a graphic designer. That's not how it works. Um, one of the things that at least my professors really uh, pressed hard is process. You have to be able to find for yourself a process that gets you up and running, that gets you engaging with the material, with the ideas, in a way that allows you to find those things that do inspire that one domino that sends everything else in a cascade. But you have to have that process. You have to be able to start because you can't just sit there for six months waiting for the right idea to come to you. It, it, it sometimes just won't until you even get started. That's why it's important to have that sketch process where you sketch something out and then crumble it up and throw it away because it was a horrible idea. But if you don't get out all the horrible ideas, you can't get to the good ones. So it is very much about um, finding a process and the process that works for you. And it's gonna look different for every person, but it is important that every designer find that process so that you can 
get to work, whether you've got a brilliant idea that does work from the get-go, or you have absolutely no idea what you're going to do, um, you eventually need to develop a process that will allow you to find those good ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with some of your designs, would you say that you weren't like inspired at all? You just kind of had to bootstrap your way through it? Yes, um, for sure. Yeah, there, there are topics and um, sometimes content that just isn't interesting. It's not mm. um, what I would, you know, it's not the dream project that I'd love to be working on. Um, and it, even projects where the aesthetic that I need to create is not the one that I enjoy. Um, it's not the kind of creation that I would prefer to be creating. And that's especially where it's important to have that process, to be able to walk yourself through the creative process, to be able to create something that is really good and really well done, even if it is difficult from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that a lot of artists like um, like poets or uh, writers, for the most part, like at least when they're getting started, they have the luxury of like doing what they want, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of sending it out there and hoping that it gets uh, it gets taken. But like with, with graphic design, it seems like it's much more, uh, you know, th there's more pressure. Um, it's like, no, you're supposed to do what what your boss is wanting you to do. Not just like, yeah, I, yeah, I need to be able to deliver the product that I uh, was contracted to provide. And it's on a deadline. Um, and those things that are just what I want to do and that I can wait, you know, a month for inspiration, those are for my private practice. Yeah. And I think it is good and healthy to have those projects. Um, but especially for graphic design, it is it goes back to, it is a service. And so you have right. to be able to um, walk through the process of creating it, even if it never quite clicks in the way that the best projects do. Usually you do along the way, even if it's not your favorite aesthetic, it's not your favorite project. Usually you can find that thing that makes it make sense that, oh, this is what's gonna bring it all together. And you find excitement in that. And um, for me, especially if it's a project that's a little less interesting, I focus on doing a good job for the sake of doing a good job, okay. which I think is um, partially tied to um, kind of my uh, work ethic as a Christian is I think it is very important for me to care about doing the very best that I can with mm -hmm. every project that I have and, and caring about the quality um, right. of the project. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that can kind of save you from like hating your own work after you turn it in, especially if it's something that you don't like, like you, you never liked it initially. And, you know, like your boss is like, oh, this is perfect. I love it. And you're just like, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you do. I'm glad <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it works for you. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, when you start your designs, I mean, do you have like a whole picture in mind or do you kind of start with like some initial image and then just kind of like let it uh, develop from there? Um, for the most part, I do think it does start from 
an initial image or an initial idea, that core element, maybe the main icon that I'm using or um, even a, a feeling or an aesthetic or a word that kind of drives the project that does blossom into the whole. Sometimes you have a whole in mind and then you have to go find the pieces that'll build it. Um, but I think a lot of the time it does start from that core element and then you figure out what combines well with it to mm -hmm. make the whole work. Right. Now we, we talked um, a few times here on art and service uh, in, uh, in service of somebody. Um, so it does speak to like, you have to follow the directions that you're given pretty closely. But do you ever try to like give your bosses um, something that they didn't know they needed in a way? Oh yes, absolutely. That is um, kind of the hope of each of the projects is that because I am a professional, this is my field, this is what I do, this is what I'm trained for. It is kind of my job to be able to take what you need and to take what you want add to it what you couldn't see, what you didn't know that you needed or wanted and present to you something even better. It is very important to deliver the product that they're looking for and to respect um, the wishes of the client. Um, because if I just take their all their ideas and just chalk them out the window and, and do what I want and what I think is best, um, a lot of times that leads to dissatisfaction. Um, yeah. But there definitely is room for um, looking at it from my own perspective. And I think that is a lot of when people do recognize the need for hiring a professional and having a graphic designer, they are looking for that um, inspired piece that they would have never seen or thought to do. Um, but because, you know, I read about it or I did it on this project over here, I'm able to make something even better than you were able to think of um, right. as the client. So another, another question that I ask all of my artists on here is what is their purpose for their, of, the, of their field as a Christian? So what is the purpose of doing graphic design as a Christian? I think the purpose of doing graphic design as a Christian is twofold. One, because it is about communication and there is so much communication going on in the world. I think it's important for us to be in on that conversation. And um, in doing graphic design, you do have to interact with the content. You do have to um, really care about how you're crafting that content, which does sometimes create conflict when you're asked to do something with content that you don't agree with. And that is something that um, a line that we each have to find for ourselves as um, artists and communicators, um, but as business people. I can't say no to everything that's slightly off from where I am. I will never get business and um, I will never be able to uh, have a say or have a voice or have any influence there. 
Um, so I think it is very important to care about communicating well, communicating respectfully, communicating clearly. Um, and so I think that is very important for us as Christians to um, want a hand in doing. And mm-hmm. secondly, because it is um, a service industry, I think it is important to um, have good business practices and to um combine good business ethics with a high level of creativity because creativity is a beautiful gift from God. So to to care about your craft, to care about the client and wanting to give them the best beautiful thing that you can, I think is really important. And when you invest in that and do it well and uh, responsibly and and all of that, I think it uh, shines a really good light on and on you and and that is a reflection on God. Right. Um, Do you think that uh, graphic designers who are Christians should approach their work as part of their Christian lives? Or do you think that is something that's mostly tangential? I think it should be a part of our Christian lives because I think that all of our lives should be a part of our Christian lives. I think there's such a temptation to divide our lives between the sacred and the secular, to think of there being moments and days, even Sunday, that this is the sacred um, moment and the times when we read our Bible or the times when we pray, this is, this is the sacred time. This is the space where I come in and I meet God and I spend time with God. And then I go do the secular part of my life that isn't necessarily in direct contact with him. And then I go back to God. But I think the most God honoring life is to allow all of life to be in relationship with him, to live every moment and everything that we say, everything that we do to be for the glory of God so that even if I'm washing dishes, I can do that to the glory of God because I can do it with a joyful heart and I can do it without being asked and I can do it. Um, I, you know, I can meditate on scripture while I do it and I don't have to. I can also just um, listen to my favorite song and, and, and do it, but even the way in which I do it can be glorifying to him. And I think that spreads into every single aspect of life. And I think it gets really, really dangerous as Christians when we split that and think that there is, and think that there are moments in life where God has no place, Mm -hmm. that there isn't a space for him when we start dividing our lives into moments with God and moments without God that's when we start having problems. Yeah, exactly. It must be pretty hard to thread that line of being a Christian, like in deciding exactly what projects you want to take on, you know, as they might when you're working for a secular company, because they might conflict with your your moral values. Um, So have you found a, a pretty good way to like thread that line? It's actually something I'm actively working on trying to find. Um, I think that there are some very clear cut things where it is right for me to say, no, I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna touch that project. Um, And if that means that 
I need to move on, I need to move on. I think there are those cases where um, it is right to take a stand and say, I cannot work on this. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of projects that fall on that line. And I'm honestly not entirely sure um, how to make that judgment because I think I think it's a lot of project by project decision making. Um, and I think there is a degree to which, you know, I'm handed a project that um, I don't particularly like where there are cases where I do need to do it and and I'm going to do a good job and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, And I would prefer to not, there are also, um, there are projects where I would agree to do one aspect and I would not agree to do the other. So for instance, with a book, doing art for a story requires a much more intimate knowledge of the story. So there are aspects of the story that I don't agree with um, that conflict with um, my morals or ethics. It requires me to be much more involved with it to be able to create the art versus typesetting it. If I'm just laying it out, then I'm not as involved with it. Um, I'm able to distance myself from it a little bit more and come at it a little bit more um, objectively um, with that aspect of it. So would I prefer to not touch the project at all? Probably. Um, But there are aspects of it that I'm more willing to handle than others. Um, So that's, those are all lines that I'm really actively trying to find because um, I think that it can be a good witness to be able to interact with those projects and um, to be able to um, work on them even when I disagree with them. And that I think can open up conversations, but I also um, need to be able to say, no, this is too much. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is very difficult and it, it doesn't really even get any easier as you get older in a way. Um, like, but I mean, there, there's also an aspect to it where it's like, I mean, if you had, if, if you stood your ground on every single moral issue that you had, and you couldn't work with anybody at all, you know, because we're, we're all flawed. It'd be like, exactly. you know, Christ coming down to uh, be incarnate. And he's like, well, I can't do that because, you know, uh, humans are sinful. You know, I, I just can't, you know, agree with that or I can't like abide by that. Um, so, I mean, like what, wherever you work, I mean, you're always going to have some kind of disagreement because um, that's mm-hmm. just the state of the world. Um but yet there are like things, hard and fast things where you need to be like, no, I, I am not going to, uh, I'm not going to stand for this. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're doing a very admirable job. I think that you're, uh, you know, like, especially with book publishing, it's so, it's so like almost inherently secular now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's incredibly hard. Um, and it, it's good that you're like willing to say no. Thank you. Um, well, what should a young Christian who's looking to get into graphic design do to break into the scene? Um, like practically, like, are there any forums online that they can join and show their work to potential employers or 
yeah yeah anything like that yeah so um a couple of really good places would be um behance is a forum that adobe hosts um which is this fun little mix between portfolio pages and social media and a hiring site. So you can post your work, you can interact um, with other people's work, you can contact the artists um, and, uh, and, and hire them for a project um, or a company if you're really interested in their work and it allows you to share it. Um, mm -hmm. So it really is this um, kind of open gallery of, of people's work um, that you can go through that is a great place to get exposure. Um, it can be beneficial to um, network through places like LinkedIn um, because it is it is a service industry. So even branching out into the uh, places that are a little bit more businessy can be very useful um, even in graphic design. So it, it's not all about um, the art, but having a strong portfolio presentation, the more uh, professional the, the presentation of your work looks, the easier it is for employers to access that, be able to interact with it, be curious and wanna follow up with you on that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do think that um, going to school with um, a Christian art program that helps you wrestle through things like the last question um, that we talked about, how do you balance this? How do you seek out opportunities, but also um, use your um, gifts for God? And, and how do you do that in the workplace and in the church and, and all of that? So seeking that advice and um, maybe even if school isn't right for you or right in this moment, seeking people who are already down that road, um, mm -hmm. getting those connections, getting that advice um, is also really important. Right. Well, um, as it relates to your position at Solom, um, what do you hope to your designs do for Solom's titles? Yeah, I hope that my designs help Solom be relevant and contemporary. Um, I really hope that it helps them be uh, accessible so that people um, are excited to pick it up and then are excited to investigate it and that it does draw people in um, so that it's not just, oh, a little Christian publisher on the side. No, I, I wanna help it look um, like it's, it, it should be standing with everything because it should. Um, it, it should be um, out in the mix with everybody else. So I really hope to be able to make it um, relevant uh, visually and kind of competitive that way. Um, mm. And I hope to also uh, make it as effectively communicative as possible because design is supposed to facilitate um, the communication of the content. So if it's designed well, then it just makes it easier to interact with. And that's something that I really want um, for my work with Solom. And lastly, um, what would you like to see Solom um, as a whole accomplish or pursue? Good discussion. Okay. I would like to see Solom 
not back down from hard topics, not back down from good opinions, but do it in a way that is um, facilitates good dialogue because I think that's something that's just so necessary. And I think it's really important for there to be Christian presses who are having good discussion, who are modeling good discussion, who are presenting good ideas and presenting things that are beautiful and entertaining, good poetry, things that are high quality and wanting mm. to promote good work, um, even for the sake of it just being a very well-written poem, a very well-stated um, argument, I think is something that's really important. Um, right. And that I hope to see Solon flourish in that way and, and help them achieve that goal. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I hope so too. And uh, I think that you're really going to help us to get there. Um, so yeah, Hannah, I'm just, uh, I'm so thrilled that you're, you're part of this. Um, I'm glad that you believe in it. And uh, yeah, just happy to see where this goes. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Riley. I'm excited to be on this journey too. I'm really excited about Solon. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.